What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Memorial. Unbelievable week last week, right? A bunch of guys tied at 10 under par. None of them win the golf tournament. Sam Burns steals it. Burnsy getting his third victory of the year. Fun stuff all around. Let's focus on this week a little bit. And as of right now, I've got a, uh, a tournament preview out that I recorded uh, earlier last week, a couple of days ago at uh, at the win. And then also Andy has his course preview out on uh, rickrungood.com right now. So that's a really good starting point. But let's break this down for all your fantasy purposes. And we'll start with the golf course, Mirfield Village. And this is my website, everything you see on this video will be from my website, rickrungood.com. Giant golf database for all your fantasy and betting needs. You should subscribe to it. Okay. Mirfield Village. Um, we've got a lot of great data on this because it is a golf course that we've used regularly on the PGA Tour. It's a Jack Nicholas design. This is his crown jewel, right? This is... Um, you know, his, he's got what, 425 designed golf courses. This is his one. This is it right here. And, uh, in true Jack Nicholas fashion, um, it tends to reward the left to right shot. It's not impossible to win or play well in the other way, but that's kind of his, his tendency, his, his lean. And then as Andy pointed out, uh, better than I could have described, um, this golf course gets harder and a lot of Jack Nicholas golf courses get harder. The closer you get to the hole, there are generally, uh, some generous landing areas off the tee. And then the second shot will be demanding around the green, even more demanding. And then putting, they've gone through some, some recontouring of the greens. Uh, lately, they are not super difficult, but there's, there's undulation out there a little bit easier to read, but like, once you get to the green, I think it gets a little bit easier, but that second shot's going to be very difficult around the green is going to be very difficult. If you miss the fairway, there are wide greens, but if you miss, or excuse me, wide fairways, but if you miss the fairway, you're going to get that four inch thick, you know, Kentucky rye slash fescue. It, it's going to be, it's just going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to compete out of, uh, out of the rough. So you're going to want to find guys who are hopefully uh, long and straight off the tee. We'll talk about those guys in just one second. This is the model that I run for every golf course on the PGA Tour. And I compare a dozen years worth of data. If I have a dozen years worth, I don't always do. This, this course I do. Where you look at the stats that are most correlated to success. And the one that stands out here is around the green play. Um, as I mentioned, these are very, very penal short air, uh, short game areas. They're very, very hard to get up and down. You are at the mercy of kind of whatever lie you are going to get. It's, it's very, very tricky. And the, Highest correlated stat uh, was strokes gained around the green to success. There are only three other courses on the PGA Tour schedule in which strokes gained around the green was more correlated with success. So we'll keep that in mind as we continue to go through this. And they did renovations after 2020. So we played one year with the new renovations. I covered this a little bit on uh, the tournament preview that was released on Sunday. If you want to go back and check that out, it's been lengthened a little bit. They can tip it out at like 7,500 yards. Um, the par five, I think it's 13. 
15. Don't quote me on that. Um, that got the vast majority of the extra yardage. And then basically every single green has either been uh, replaced, redone, or recontoured, which I think is is kind of noteworthy. So we're getting more and more data as this will be the second year that we are on it uh, after that that redesign. Okay, I think that's basically it. We'll talk mostly, uh, we'll continue to talk about the course, but let's go look at the cheat sheet here. Five golfers over $10,000. John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley. They are all uh, well-deserving of this. Let's talk about John Rahm. Um, so makes the cut at the PGA Championship, finishes 48th, wins in Mexico. Those were his last two starts. What everyone will remember is that this was the event that John Rahm was forced to withdraw on Saturday night after having a six-shot lead last year. That opens the door for Patrick Cantlay and Colin Morikawa to eventually go to a playoff, which was won by Patrick Cantlay. Everyone remembers that. What I don't think a lot of people remember was uh, he was looking to defend. He won this in 2020 and last year was looking to defend. So if you actually go through and look at the strokes gain metrics, which I'm not sure... It kind of depends on where you look for the strokes gain metrics here for John Rahm, because sometimes the, the PGA Tour, the way, the way that they deal with data, if a guy WDs, sometimes they just act like he never played and they've removed the data altogether. Well, I have the round by round data. John Rahm in three rounds last year actually gained 21 strokes to the field. 21. That was four more strokes than the year that he won in 2020. In 2020, he played four rounds, gained 17 on the field, and won. He had 21 strokes gained through three rounds last year before the WD. So you're talking about 38 strokes gained over the course of his last seven rounds at Mirfield Village. That is jarring. It is absolutely jarring. So you wonder, uh, you can play the narrative around, you know, the ROM revenge, all that fun stuff, but this is really what I care about. Um, look at how many strokes he is gaining off the tee. 7.3 at the PGA Championship, 5.5 in Mexico. He has not lost strokes off the tee since the 2019 Tour Championship. Not a typo. 2019 Tour Championship is last time he's lost strokes off the tee. Um, that is because he is long. It is because he is accurate. It is because that is exactly what you need around Memorial. Do I worry about this? A little bit, yes. So in uh, three of his last four, or excuse me, three of his last five, he has lost strokes on approach. In one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of his last 11, he has lost strokes around the green. That does worry me. I I'm not going to lie, because if you go back and look, so let's look at uh, last year before the Memorial, his around the green play was slightly better than average. And then uh, what we saw kind of before his, his win in 2020, again, he was a great around the green player. That's the one thing he's lost in 2022. So that, that does worry me, probably not enough to cross his name off because I'm excited to get access to John Rahm this week. He's 11,100. I'm interested to see what his ownership is, but I do have a few worries but we'll see later in the week, maybe when we get to the Wednesday live chat, um, what I end up doing with them. But you can decide for yourself what you want to end up doing with them. So Rory McIlroy is 10,900. And I think, well, I don't know how popular he's going to be. Rory could be the best option this week. So let's let's look at this together here. Um, 
what do we know about Roy McIlroy? Well, he's absolutely dominant off the tee, right? We know that. So, so half the battle at at Muirfield Village is is, is already done, and he has been uh, awesome on approach, right? He's gained. Four and a half at the PGA Championship, four and a half at the Wells Fargo, three plus at the Masters, two and a half at both the Players' Championship and the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, If you look at the uh, power rankings, so the power rankings are simply that, last 24 rounds of every single golfer in this field, Rory McIlroy, by a wide margin, is the best player in this field over the last 24 rounds. Uh, He's the only golfer gaining over two strokes per round. He's gaining 2.18. So Rory McIlroy... Uh, checking all the boxes. What I think is even more noteworthy is this. Gaining a half a stroke around the green in those 24 rounds. So let's go back to Rory's golfer profile here. Let's look at his results at the Memorial because he started off hot. Uh, he had a bunch of top 10s kind of early in his career. He had you know top 10 in 2010, a fifth in 2011. He had top 15s in 14, 16, and 18. And some of his worst finishes have been recently. Well, look at what has held... Rory McIlroy back. Uh, it's always been the around the green play. He is hemorrhage strokes around the green at Mirfield Village. Well, he's kind of a lot better now. Look at what he's done here recently. He has not lost more than a stroke around the green since August of last year. Uh, and he has normally gained a ton. So if we kind of look through his season by season progression here, um, this is by far the best around the green season of Rory McIlroy's career. He's always been a you know kind of a slightly positive golfer around the green. This is a year where he's gaining a half a stroke per round, the best. So I think we've got a situation where Rory's um, strengths are as strong as ever and his weaknesses are as strong as ever. And those weaknesses, which may have held him back previously at Muirfield Village, might be what spurs him this year. So very excited about Roy McIlroy. Patrick Cantlay is next. Um, Patrick Cantlay is phenomenal outside of major championships. He has gained uh, a ton of strokes here at Muirfield Village. He's won it twice in the last three years. You can argue he did not deserve to win it last year because John Rahm would have ran away with it. But with 18 holes to go, he battled it out. He beat Colin Morikawa in a playoff. Even if he even if he was going to finish second, if Rahm stayed there, um, it, it would still have been an awesome strokes gained week. I tend to think Patrick can't like gets gets right for whatever reason major championships have not have not gone well for him uh outside of that he's been awesome i think he's got seven top 10s or seven top 15s in his last 14 starts i mean look at this yeah i mean he just won the zurich classic with xander shawfley a couple weeks ago week before that he finished runner-up at the at the rbc heritage it's just everything but majors everything but majors. so i'm not particularly worried about can't lay morikawa and xander um Xander, to me, checks off a lot of boxes to be like the safest guy here. He's got three straight top 15 finishes. He's playing well enough. Um, Morikawa, I think you have to decide if you are going to be early on or late on. So he has uh, he hasn't been great, but he's going back to a place he's had a ton of success at. And I will say this, Morikawa, I talked about this on the Sunday show. Um, if you care about tiny little sample sizes and putting them onto narratives... Morikawa was the biggest gainer from putting at Muirfield Village uh, pre-renovation to post-renovation. Now, there's only four rounds post, but he's like the biggest gainer. So maybe the the recontouring, maybe that's better for him. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. That's probably the answer, but I'm just throwing that out there because the putter right now is the big concern 
You know, he's lost uh, multiple strokes with the putter in five of his last six. And it's really what's held him back because he's hitting the ball beautifully on approach. His around the green game has been generally fine. Off the tee, good enough. So it's a matter of whether you think he is going to putt well. I tend to say I'd rather be early, early on Colin Morikawa than late, right? That's that's kind of the thought process. And um, he's had similar runs like this before in his career, right? I mean, I, I had that stat from... I think it was a couple months ago where like, if you're just blindly betting Colin Morikawa every single week, you've made a ton of money in his career because he's going to have these stretches where he doesn't play particularly well and the number starts to slip a little bit. And then all of a sudden he puts to a plus one and wins like that's completely in the range of outcomes. So um, maybe the, maybe the option for Morikawa this week is just bet him outright and not have to worry about it in fantasy. We'll see as the as the um, ownership and stuff comes out later in the week. The nine thousand dollar range, as with most weeks, is probably where all the money is won. Um, there's some red flags with a lot of these guys here. Victor Hovland, unfortunately, around the green, we know that is not one of his strengths. And statistically, Muirfield Village is one of the more difficult around the green courses. That's that's true. He's got two finishes in the forties. It begs that it begs to consider that hey maybe it's just it's not a great a great setup for him. Um, Cam Smith, believe it or not, as good as Cam Smith has been, here are his results around Mirfield Village. So he's missed the cut in four of six. He's finished T sixty five and T sixty eight in the other two years. He's lost on the putting surface in five straight. He's lost around the green in four of six. He's, I mean, he's just losing big time. This is a, a, a probably, um, this might be the worst spot for him on, like his, historically the worst spot for him on, on the schedule. Let's see. 16 rounds minus 1.6. Yeah. Of any place that he's played at least seven rounds, this is the worst results for Cam Smith. So that is statistically true. You kind of have to decide whether you think that's noise or he's a better golfer now or whatever you want to decide, but that would be a little bit of a concern for me. Um, Zalatoris, not really a concern there. Missing the cut after a, a playoff, no problem there. Hideki Matsuyama just continues to pop up like however you really want to do this, right? I mean, Hideki's having an unbelievable year. He's won at Memorial. He is in the midst of probably, uh, I don't think it's probably, I think it definitely is the uh, one of the best putting stretches of his career. So this is his, this is his season. So he's still a small negative for the season, but for the year, he's a big positive putter, right? So dating back to the Sony right here, he's gained in one, two, three, four, five, five uh, out of about 10 events. And even the ones he's lost in haven't been as big of losses as we've seen. And you combine that with the fact that he's won around Memorial and he's very kind of uh, long and accurate enough off the tee. And, the, and then he's just one of the best second shot players. Like I just continue to be enamored with Hideki Matsuyama. And you can lump Matt Fitzpatrick into the mix there as well. Fitzpatrick finished third in 2020. He's got a bunch of top 10 finishes recently. Is he going to actually close it out and win? Question to be seen. But remember, he is a he's a winner worldwide. Just because he hasn't won on the PGA Tour does not mean he's not a winner. He's got seven wins worldwide. It's so hard to split hairs on this $9,000 range here. Uh, there's seven golfers in this $9,000 range. I've got it sorted by... Just those guys, last 24 rounds, all of them are gaining at least eight-tenths of a stroke per round. It's a very impressive rate. Shane Lowry's number one, 1.99. Cam Smith is two at 1.7. 
Fitzpatrick at 1.6, Spieth at 1.5, and then you round it out with Zalatoris at 1.3, and Hideki at 1.1. So this is a, a very stout group. Um, it's probably worth noting, there's only four of these guys that are gaining to the field in both fairways and distance. Uh, that's Shane Lowry, who's a small gainer in distance, and he gains in fairways as well. Fitzpatrick does both. Hideki does both. Hovland does both. So if you're looking to break ties, those are the, like the total driving guys. If you worry about Spieth spraying it, if you worry about Zaltoris spraying it, uh, these are wider wider fairways, but if you miss, it's going to be big trouble. That's That's kind of the key here. I am potentially excited, I guess, for a under-owned Shane Lowry. Um, 23rd at the PGA Championship, which was pretty quiet. That's four straight top 25s. Finished sixth here last year. He leads the 9K range in strokes gained over the last 24 rounds. Positive in distance to the field. Positive in fairways to the field. What's his ownership going to be? And he's the cheapest one in this range, 9000 Um, So maybe I've just talked myself into Shane Lowry here in the moment. Hmm, interesting. Uh, before we jump into the eights, let's look at a couple of trends here. So let's go to the Holy Grail and we'll fire this up for, um, I want just golfers at Muirfield Village. Like, let's just do that real quick. Let's just get it out of the way. Best golfers at Muirfield Village in this field dating back to 2008. No surprise, John Rahm is number one. No surprise, Patrick Cantlay is number two. Ooh, Matt Kuchar. We'll talk about him in a second. Number three, we'll talk about Patrick Reed. He's number five. Morikawa is four. So the first, wow, look at this. There's like a ton of $7,000 guys. Before we get to the first $8,000 guy, that's Max Homa. 8,700, 1.1. T37, missed cut T6. It's not a. It's not super great. And he's the first $8,000 golfer. Joaquin Neiman is next. Less than a stroke per round gained. Wow. So the 8K range is kind of a dead zone for really, really good course history. The guys in the sevens are much better. Let's do this by, uh, let's do it by strength of field, which I do love. I do just love strength of field. So let's do like 600 or more. I think last year was like 602. And then let's just do like since... I don't know, 2019 or something like that. Just the last last handful of years. I don't want to get a bunch of Jason Day and Justin Rose and all that stuff. Okay, so John Rom still number one. Zalatoris, number two. Rory, Cantlay, Xander. No real surprises here. Patrick Reed again. I'll tell you what. I've um I've started compiling this like watch list, like these guys that I'm just really interested in seeing what they're going to do over the course of the next couple weeks. Patrick Reed's certainly on that list. Ricky Fowler's on that list. Um who else is on that list? I can't remember. I should probably write it down. I I must admit, I've uh, this morning I just I just bet Patrick Reed to win the U.S. Open, which I I don't know. We get, we're obviously going to talk a lot about the U.S. Open, but Brookline is just super small greens, probably very penal. Uh, rough, as you would imagine, at a U.S. Open venue. Um, you've got a situation where I don't think they'll turn it into winged foot. Where I think I think having a go-to shot, playing out of the fairway. Uh, he just is apparently dropped PXG and he's driving it longer again. Again, that's that's a different conversation to have. But Patrick Reed has has my has my full attention here. So anyway, back to strength of field. Again, not a lot of guys in the 8K range. The best guy in the 8K range is Mito Pereira gaining a stroke per round. He only has 12 rounds. He only has 12 rounds. Answers up here. A little bit better. Berger, that's probably another guy on the watch list because he's got he's to figure out these um, 
He's got to figure out the irons, although he was a little bit better at times last week at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Seamus Power is in here. I'll tell you what, Seamus Power would be pretty interesting. Seamus Power is $8,000. Um, okay, I'll keep, me, keep, I'll keep me in mind about Seamus Power. Uh, let's go back here. $8,000 range. Where's Seamus? Yeah, okay. So Seamus is $8,000. He, he gains in distance. He gains in fairways. He's got two top 20s, including a ninth at the PGA Championship coming into this event, which means he's got four top 25s. I'll give him 25th for a 27th. Um, top 25s in his last six. Gains across the board in his last 48. It's not bad. It's not bad. Sung J M picked up right where he left off um, before the PGA Championship. So 15th last week. And it's actually kind of surprising that he hasn't had much success around Memorial or around Mirfield Village because he is, when he's on, a great driver of the golf ball. He's good on Bentcrest. Here's his, um, here's his numbers now. So he's gained... In his last 100 rounds on Bentgrass, uh, let's see. Well, he's a little bit better than positive. He's a uh, 0.17 to the positive, but look at look at the spikes. That's what I like here. So, plus 3.7, plus five and a half, plus six, plus 4.4. That's that's kind of the spikes that I like there. Now he's had some really bad ones as well. He had a stretch here from the PGA Championship in 2020 to basically the Masters in 2021 um, where he like never gained strokes on Bentgrass, but that's kind of behind him at the moment. Cam Young finally getting the, the big price increase and it's well-deserved. Third, second, third in his last three, including the PGA Championship. I'd, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say the guys that struggle around the green, Max Homa, Abraham Anser, worry me. For this week, it is just such a demanding short game course or around the green course that if you're not playing from the green, if you're not hitting every single green, you're kind of in trouble. So that is that is a little bit worrisome to me. Um, let's see what else is here. I think I like the top and the bottom and the middle. I think I like Sungjae at the top. I think I like Sheamus at the bottom. And I think I like Daniel Berger or at least the opportunity to be early on Berger in the middle. Um, he is still, I don't know if it was the back injury or just, you know, everything combined, but like the fact that he lost, I'll just show you this real quick. Cause if you're watching, like you, you probably care about this, right? And especially with a major championship around the corner and one that's, uh, okay. So I'll, I'll tell you, I also bet burger for the U S open this morning, which I don't usually fire two clicks like that. Um, a couple weeks out because I'll probably be able to get better numbers, but I would just saw it and said, I don't want to forget about this. So, okay. Burgers lost strokes on approach in uh, four of his last six, which is quite concerning considering the fact that before that he had a stretch where he did not lose strokes from the 2022 Honda classic to the 2021 Pebble beach pro-am. I know he lost 0.18 in Phoenix. I'll give him credit for that one, but he was stout on approach every single week. And then maybe it's the back injury and everything else. I could see him getting back to normal, right? If that Charles Schwab challenge where he gains strokes off the tee approach and around the green, if he finds the putt, like I'm, I'm generally okay with trying to be early on Daniel Berger. So that, that 8k range to me says top, bottom, middle M burger power that, that feels right to me. 
the the seven Ks were stacked, right? I mean, all those guys that we saw uh, who've played well at Mirfield Village. Um, you know, if you look at the last, if you want, kind of, let's do just short term, I suppose. Last twenty four rounds, strokes gain total. Kucher, okay, Kucher is going to be probably the most popular guy on this on this board, right? He's seventy eight hundred. He's got uh, like six straight made cuts. He's been dominant around Mirfield Village in the last twenty four. He's gaining more than anybody else in the seven K range. Let's just let's just do the Matt Kuchar thing. So talking about slumps that he broke out of, because I'm pretty sure he was mired in a pretty big slump. Uh, yeah, kind of. Missed three out of four cuts. And then at the Valspar, starting at the Valspar, he's made six straight cuts. He's got three top 12 finishes in there, and it could not come at a better time because look at what he's done around Mirfield Village. Winner in 2013. Bunch of top 10 finishes. He's gained more strokes at this event or at this course uh, than any other course that he's played at least five times. And he's played it 46 times. So that is a, a sustained, dating back to 2008, 46 rounds, a sustained level of success playing well. He's going to be very, very popular. and He should be. I also like the guy right below him, Chris Kirk. Talked about this a lot on the... Um, on the Sunday preview, and I didn't really know how Chris Kirk was even going to finish at the Charles Schwab Challenge at the time. He finished 15th, so now he's got a 5th at the PGA Championship, a 15th at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, There is a strong correlation to around the green play at Mirfield Village, and Chris Kirk in the last 24 is the second best around the green player here. Kuchar's number one. Again, Kuchar's going to be very, very popular. Uh, Chris Kirk is number two. So, so that's why this is this is really growing here. So we'll see what these two come in at uh, for the week and what their ownership is going to be. But two guys, I'm I'm, I'm fairly excited about. Bryson is 7,800. That's almost the price he was when he won this four or five years ago. I think he was 7,700. That was kind of the first coming onto the scene, big moment for Bryson. So he was never really priced. Uh, too high back then. Not really sure what to do. I'll be honest with you here. Because he's been great at Mirfield Village. Not just the win, but two other top 25s in the three years since. He had the procedure done. Had the wrist surgery done. He's been swinging in the golf club. I'll let you guys tell me. I, I really don't know what to do. I, I think he is incredibly risky. I think he has a ton of upside. Let me know. Tweet me. Leave a comment. What we're going to do with Bryson at seventy eight hundred bucks? I think I, I don't think he's going to be very popular because there are those other great options in Reed and Kucher and Kirk and all these other guys that you that we saw in the seven K range. I, I think it will keep his ownership very very low. Maybe if you're playing ten lineups, you put him in one, and you're overweight to the field. Maybe that's the route to go. But my goodness, there's not a bigger question mark in the field. I want to also look at the longest guys in the 7K range who hit fairways. So Keith Mitchell is that guy, the number one guy. He's the longest guy in the last 24 rounds that is gaining fairways to the field. Um, Aaron Wise is also that guy. KH Lee, believe it or not. KH Lee gaining 0.12 yards uh, to the field on average. Um, And that's basically it. Those are the only three guys in the 7K range that are gaining distance and fairways to the field. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Aaron Wise finished 10th last here last year. God, I'm going to lose so much on Aaron Wise. I've already lost. I mean, uh, okay. Um, that's a different conversation for a different day. The other thing I wanted to look at because, oh, 
Okay, so this range like disproportionately creates a lot of the really good jock market winners. So when you are look, and this is last week's Charles Schwab challenge, this is stock market DFS. So like guys like uh, you know Cam Davis and Matt Jones and Pat Perez and John Hunt last week were all big time winners in the jock market. Cam Davis went for three dollars and fifty cents. That's a steal. Right? Am I clicking on the right one? Yeah. Um, Matt Jones went for more, three fifty-two. They paid out ten dollars and fifty cents, ten dollars uh, a share, respectively. Last ten cash markets, Lahiri's still number one. Sepp Straka, Kurt Kitayama, Cam Young's gained in eighty percent of his markets. What an absolute freak! Uh, so good here. Kucher is on this list. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, I love Jock Market. Uh, sign up, use the code Rick. The data's on my website for free. There's a power hour Wednesday night. But the, this is the range of guys that end up being generally uh, very, very good. All right, the dirty little sixes here. So lots of golfers in this range. Uh, we'll run a model here in a second. But what catches my attention early here? Uh, Scott Stallings, obviously playing good golf, right? 25th at the Byron Nelson. He missed the cut at the PGA. Monday of last week, he qualified for the U.S. Open. 36 holes on Monday, and then carry that into the Charles Schwab challenge. Uh, finished fourth. I'm like lukewarm on that. It feels a little bit like you might be chasing points. I'm not super stoked about it, but like if you're desperate, I get it. Brendan Steele has has caught my attention for for a couple of reasons. Um, before I flipped to his golfer pro profile, I realized that he's got three straight top 40s here. A 13th place finish in 2020 was his best start during that stretch. Brendan Steele, one of the founding members of Team No Putt, so he's always going to have a special place in my heart, was fairly pathetic from the Sony Open to the Honda Classic. He missed one, two, three, four, all five of those cuts. And it's because he lost uh, the part that makes him Team No Putt. He lost the, the ball striking. And he has seemingly found it again. So when you look at the ball striking numbers since the Arnold Palmer Invitational, it's plus seven, plus 11, zero, a fourth place finish with Keegan that we don't have the breakdown for at the Zurich. Then he was plus four. And then last, uh, last time we saw him at the PGA Championship, he was plus nine and a half. So we're back, baby. Brendan Steele is back, baby. Around the green's been much better. The putter, always horrible. Now, there is... Uh, a bit of, of of statistical analysis that could argue these greens aren't that difficult. There's a lot of undulation, but also that can be easier to read for some of the bad putters. And there's not like a clear correlation to you being a great putter and finding success at Muirfield Village. It, it's just not, there's, that's, there's no statistical evidence of that. Um, obviously, it's not going to hurt you, but that's, that's the point. So there might not be better spots for team no putters than here and steal one of the founding members. Uh, a name we haven't talked about really at all recently uh, is Patrick Rogers. He's 6,800 bucks. He's quite long. He will need to keep it in play. I worry about his ability to hit fairways, but uh, if he can keep it in play in these generous landing areas, which he's done, right? Eighth place finish here in 2018, 18th in 2020. That's he's only played it three times in since 2018. He's got two top 20s and he's got three, four straight top 35s coming in. 
played well in Mexico, played well at Zurich, got into the 30s at the Charles Schwab and the Byron Nelson. It's not, again, not the worst thing I've ever seen. I bet, I bet you someone like him pops up in the model, um, kind of with that really good skill set, playing well enough recently. Let's see what else we've got here. Now we're kind of into the range of golfers who actually over the last 48 in this range have lost strokes to the field, uh, which starts to become a little worrisome. Maybe Kevin Streelman. Uh, Streelman's last five at, the mo at, at this event have been great. 13th, 44th, 4th, 54th, 13th. He's got to play out of the fairway because he's not quite as long, but the recent form's pretty bad. So not, not excited about uh, that as much. Okay, let's run a model. Custom model, rickrungood.com. All right, we've got to figure out what our weights are going to be. Let's say last 16 rounds, and let's say we want, oh boy, okay. Well, what do we know? Um, so you, ideally, you're longer off the tee, but you are going to get a little bit more in terms of, of generosity in these landing areas. So let's, but you got, but you got to hit fairway. So let's just say we're going to create our own uh, weighted, Strokes gained off the tee. And we are going to say uh, 10 in distance, 15 in accuracy. Pretty interesting. Then we are going to say, uh, so so if we're going with the theory that this is harder, more difficult, the closer you get to the hole. So if I put 25 weights on driving, I think I need to put 30 on approach, strokes gained approach. And then I kind of need to, if I'm, if I'm continuing to buy this, right, I need to say... 35 around the green because I need to say that's more important. And we also know that it is more uh, correlated to success than a lot of other things. Then I only have 10 left. Now, what I suppose I could do here if I was feeling super frisky and let's just do it. We can rerun these on, on Wednesday as well. I'll just put the last 10 on putting. So what I've got now is I've created my own strokes gain total which I kind of like, for this course by using the model and also using what we think about what Jack has done. 25 in, in off the tee, split 15 on accuracy, 10 on distance, 30 on approach, 35 around the green, and then we think that, that putting probably not as critical this week. So we put 10 on that and we've got 100 weights. I love this. How have I never done this before? Okay. That means our number one golfer is, oh boy, <laughs> Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy. Yeah, I'm fine with that, obviously. Sungjae's number two. How about that? Love it. Spieth, three. Love it. Riley, four. Love it. Da uh, Aaron Wise, five. Oh, God. Kucher, six. Wow. Hideki, Cam Young, Chris Kirk, Keegan Bradley. This is my favorite top 10 I've ever had. It's my favorite. It's everyone I love and everyone I lose money on. This is it right here. This is amazing. What a great top 10. Ricky's 11. Wow. What I noticed is John Rahm was quite far down the list. Um, he was 58 in terms of score, I think. Did I miss him? Yeah, he's 38th in my rankings. 59.65. Why is that? Hasn't been great on approach, uh, which is 30% of the weights. Hasn't been great around the green, which is another huge chunk of it. So that's kind of the issue there that Rom's going to run into. But wow, look at this top 10. 
It's also like team no putters. So it's like, of course, of course. Wow. I love it. I love it. I feel like I've been gifted like just the best gift ever on Christmas day. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, there we go. I think we'll just end there. Things can't get any better. We'll just end there. More great content coming later in the week. Uh, tweet me at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. I said that weird. Rick Run Good. Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck. I'll talk to you guys soon.